0: hello once again and welcome back to the james kennedy podcast i hope you're all good we got a super interesting one today which is very close to a lot of the things that i've ranted about in my book and in my interviews and things like that to do with music streaming and the new business model of music we're going to get straight down to business today. So uh, before I do so, I want to remind you guys to su- please subscribe to the podcast. Um, give me some star ratings, hit that five star rating and uh, leave a review, you know, leave some comments and get involved. I've also launched a support platform to directly support the podcast. If you are able to do so, please don't do so. If you're not able, but if you are able to spare some shekels to support me in the, um, continuation of the podcast you know equipment and the time that goes into doing it i've set up a page at paypal which is paypal.com forward slash paypal me forward slash james kennedy uk there'll be a link in the uh, descriptions of the podcast as well if you have got any spare change that you want to offload onto the podcast all proceeds will go to the maintenance of the podcast so that i can keep giving you guys these awesome chats right now today's guest I've often ranted about the merits of the new model of the music business over the old model. I did so in my book. I get devoted a whole chapter to it in my book, Noise Damage. And I've spoken about it many times in interviews as well, where I've said that as an independent artist, the new model is way better because the door was closed to me in the old model. But I'm going to be chatting today with someone who I think has a very different opinion to myself on this issue. So this should be fun. I was also a massive fan of his band back in the day when I was a much younger man, and we used to sit around in college smoking weed and listening to this guy's records and having our minds blown at just how fucking crazy the music was in a totally awesome way. So it's mad how time, it's mad how life goes, you know, that I now get to sit down and have a one-to-one conversation with him and um, be put to rights probably on a lot of the issues that I've been uh, misadvocating for the past two years. So, as well as being in a band that blew all of our innocent young minds to bits when we were students, I'm talking, of course, about the genre bending band Gomez. Tom Gray is also a board director of the PRS and the Ivers Academy, as well as being an active and outspoken campaigner for fairer pay for musicians with his Broken Record campaign. We've got a lot to get into today, so I'm super excited to welcome onto the podcast Mr. Tom Gray. Thanks so much for your time today, mate. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thanks, man. Yourself? Not too bad, not too bad, yes. You know, I'm looking forward to picking your brains today, man, because... Oh, God. (laughs) That that, that sounds sounds creepier than it is, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, pick, Pick away, pick away. Well, I thought it'd be like, to start, it would be good to give the listeners a picture of just how bad the situation is currently for artists. I mean, everybody knows that nobody makes any money from streaming, but I don't think the average music fan has got... A, a sincere idea of just how bad it is. How how bad is the picture? How how are we looking in twenty twenty two?
1: It's it's pretty shocking uh, for what let's 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 just say what we should call probably the professional class of music maker. So someone who's actually devoted their life to making music. They get up in the morning and the thing they do is music. You know, and it's important to make that differentiation before we get going because. People are always like, oh, what? you know, of course, why aren't these kids who are throwing their music up on DistroKid every day making money? Well, that's not who we're arguing for. And that's great that they're doing that and they have that access. That's a wonderful thing. But that's not, you know, that that isn't the fundamental part of the music industry that needs preservation and needs protection, right? And it's, it's, the, the thing for me is, you know, if, if, if all the cathedral builders are dead, you can't build cathedrals anymore, right? Um, and our studios for many years have been imperiled. Many, many have been closed. Small venues are closing down all around the country for many years as well. There's very little of the old infrastructure that used to exist. Uh, and it's all based on this idea that we can all record at home and da 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 da, which is all well and good, but, you know. The average musician in this country is earning around £20,000 per year, according to census and, uh, you know, um, survey work that we've done. And it's been repeated several times. Uh, The government just did it. The intellectual property office did um, a review of earnings last year and found the same thing. And most of that money isn't coming from recorded music. It's coming from second jobs in hospitality, in teaching, in doing all of these other things. And they're making maybe two grand or less a year from their recorded music. Um, And that's when you start kind of going, oh, wait a minute. What's going on here? Why have we got... It's always been a difficult career, right? It's always been perilous. It's always been hard. No one ever said getting into music was going to be easy, right? But the problem is is when actual success or what looks like a success to the outside world doesn't translate into financial reward, then you end up with a really difficult disconnect in culture because the people who are making the stuff that you like can't afford to keep making the stuff that you like. Right. And that's where it gets weird. That's where we have a problem. Um, and, and, you know, to go even further on that riff, you know, the, the thing with, about streaming that people don't realise is streaming is replacing two things. It isn't replacing just people listening to their record collections because that is what it's doing, right? So most listening now is on streaming. They're not people aren't listening to their CDs anymore. They're listening to their their subscription service in their pocket, but it's also replacing linear broadcasting. It's replacing radio, right? I'm very purposefully going after that. Advertising that's in radio um, because there's a lot of money there, right? So, but what sort people don't, there's two things that people don't understand is that on the one hand, artists used to make a lot more money upfront from sales of physical records than they do from streaming, but also radio has a performance uh, royalty built into it called X Rule equitable remuneration. Remuneration is such a hard word to say, man. <laughs> Equ- equitable remuneration. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. That, uh, that means that, uh, that performing musicians, session musicians, the performer of the song themselves, everybody gets paid a direct amount of money from that, remuner- from that performance on the radio. Now, as if, if you can imagine, both of those income streams are going away, right, slowly but surely, and we're going to be just left with streaming. But streaming, the per stream rate. If well, there is no per stream rate. But if you divide up all of the money in the streaming pool by all of the streams in it, you come up with a a, a, a rate right of what a per stream might be worth. And it's half what it was worth a decade ago. Wow. Right. So it was about naught point naught naught seven in Spotify. Um. So that's about three quarters of a penny in two thousand and eleven. Now we're de- way south of. so we're we're nearly down to about a third of a penny and so this is this creates a very confusing kind of economics um where it seems to be getting bigger but the per stream rate is going down which is very confusing for most people to get their heads around and that works fine for these massive aggregators of rights, for these huge record companies who have got like massive 35% market share, it doesn't matter. As long as the market keeps growing, they keep making more money and their profit, and their profit margins go up and their share value goes up, right? It's public companies. But to a, a musician who has a fixed audience, right, which is like, let's be clear, not your big stars who are getting ramping up your Harry Styles and your Billie Eilishes and whoever else, right. Who are ramping up these huge billion streams every day and, and the, and the, and the algorithms telling you to listen to them again and again, and again, yeah. I'm talking about the people who have, who are uh, artists who have spent years developing their own audience, gathering that fixed fan base. You know, they're not expecting to be, playing Wembley any day, right? They just want to play gigs and exist making their work and they've succeeded. They've really succeeded in building a genuine, solid fan base. Those people with a fixed audience, they've watched their income go through the floor because, A, they can't sell physical product. The per stream rate is going down and down and down. A 100,000 streams was worth twice what it's worth now, at uh, ten years ago, and that's not even including deflation, right? If you include yeah. deflation, inflation rather, or the deflation of the value to the <laughs> to the artist, it, we've, it's the whole value of music's gone down about twenty five percent in ten years as well, because it was nine ninety nine in two thousand and eleven; it's nine ninety nine now. Yeah. Now the really funny thing is, guess how the first streaming service? People always talk about streaming coming along with Spotify, but didn't it? It came along with Rhapsody in two thousand and one, right. and guess. Guess how much Rhapsody cost in two thousand and one? Go on, nine ninety nine. <laughs> so we've had twenty-one years of streaming costing exactly the same amount, wow. and that's about forty. That's about forty percent deflation. So you start kind of going, "Oh, wait a minute. There's a fundamental problem here." But you know, that is just the pricing issue, which is like has sent the value of music all over the place and has had lots of r- weird ramifications to all of us as artists but all that's that's come along sitting on the back of the 20th century unfair model anyway it was never the the, the system in, that was in place was never fair to musicians no. yeah. it wasn't like we, we weren't doing great out of it record deals didn't look equitable people weren't having a good time Hilariously streaming. People always talk about like tech being like a disruptor. Oh, yeah, it's so disruptive. (laughs) Tech's so disruptive. Well, guess what? Here's what Spotify did. It did no disruption to the music industry. It completely kept the entire old system in place and, in fact, built on it. Right? So what you have is the old crazy inequity of the 20th century with this mad tech that's crushing the value of music sitting on top of it. Yeah. So, so you have these artists who've got, like, deals from 15 years ago for, like, 15% um, because they were selling their records over to a company who would manufacture and distribute and do all of these incredibly costly things yeah. on their behalf, where where now those companies are doing none of those things, but they're still keeping 85% of the money. Yes, right. right? And this is, the cr- this is the madness, right, is that trying to explain to people that there's so many things wrong. There isn't just these crazy tech and the fact that it's replacing physical and it's replacing this. It's the fact that we've still got this horrible, old-fashioned, yes. um, inequitable system yeah. that, r- that runs right the way through the music industry. And it- we've never done anything to sort our faces out. Um, and that's what this has all been about, is kind of going – no, this isn't just about fuck Spotify because that's the most blithe, easy thing to yes. say.
0: yeah.
1: And it's meaningless, right? Actually, what I always say to people is we need to unfuck Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> and, and beyond that, like, it's about unfucking the deals and the contracts and the transparency and the data and the royalty systems and all these things, which because governments successive governments have just heard from these companies and not heard from the creators. Right. We've ended up with a, like, the weight of the world on our shoulders
0: yeah well that was a uh, brilliantly put man abroad as well there's so much stuff in there that we want to uh, could, could unpack you know one at a time as well <laughs> i'm taking notes here um i i'm sort of someone that's guilty of of playing devil's advocate um on, on a lot of those issues because i'm an independent artist myself i always have been i never i mean when i when i wrote my first album like 20 years ago um it was like 10 minute long prog metal songs i you know the, the chance of me getting a, a, a record deal at that time and radio playing stuff like that it was that door was shut big time and and it always has been so for me i've gradually over the years established myself as an independent artist i've got seven album back catalog i've got a small but loyal audience i play all my own instruments i do all my production myself in in the very room that we're sitting in now um so i'm always i i espouse a lot of the good sides of the new model that with if, if I was around, you know, four years ago, I wouldn't have had the ability to do any of that. If I couldn't get a deal, it was game over, you know, go get a job. As it is, you know, I haven't had a day job in a long time. I've managed to make an okay living out of my music. And with Spotify, I mean, during the pandemic, I was making about five to six hundred bucks a month from Spotify because because i have got a back catalogue and i had a new album come out which drew a lot of traffic to the back catalogue um so i was actually paying my you know my bills and everything through the pandemic purely from streaming so there is the opportunity for that to, to provide that platform to, to artists who are shut out with the traditional model but there's it's oversimplistic, i think to say that um that's possible for everybody because it's not
1: no i mean look I I I am always very careful to say yes. There are people who benefit from streaming, and I've benefited enormously from streaming. Right. I mean, you you, you, only, you only have to look at the fortunes of British black music since the sort of hierarchical gatekeeping of, of the old media was taken away, right? So so you, you kind of you, you, you access has been the big win of streaming, right? That yeah. is the big win, uh, uh, but. I it, we need to massively caveat that. Yes, <laughs> right. Because fully independent music as it stands is only has 6% of the value of the total market. Right. Right. 6%. So 94% is music that's on traditional labels. Yes. Right. Independent and the majors, right? which basically have the same structure, look very similar as companies, right? You do a deal with them, they take your rights, da, 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 they pay for the marketing, et cetera, et cetera, um, using a thing called the recruitment deal, which we can get into later, but clearly hasn't affected you. But the point is, you are it shows how much more likely you are to be successful if you were on a label. Yeah. Right? So we haven't got rid of the traditional gatekeepers. We're just sitting alongside them, right? right? And yeah. they're making way more money than you, yeah, right? And, and this is the crazy thing. like There's something like 7 million creators, in inverted commas, on Spotify. But all 7 million are only worth around 6% of the market. So we're talking about a few thousand artists that are making 94% of the money and several million who are sharing 6%. Right now, at the present rate of growth, it'll take twenty-five years for the fully independent market to reach parity with the status quo. So, democratization is in the eye of the beholder. Let's say right, right? and I'm I'm really glad that people like yourself, who are incredibly self-motivated, who are you know driven, can produce a a result where you you know you're getting three hundred quid a month, and that's covering. A lot of your shit right and that's that you know that's keeping you in 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 bread and butter yeah that's amazing, but i can't you know i know how so self motivated you've probably had to be to produce that result oh yourself. yeah right right <laughs> now, not every artist is going to be that person. a lot of artists are quite financially incapable, many of them, certainly if my friends, are um incredibly neurodiverse um have all kinds of um many are just highly dyslexic for just to get just to just to get started you know what i mean so the idea that everybody who's good at making music can also be this incredible manager of content and marketing and consideration and all of these other things is just a a, a lie right and in fact so 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 my problem is is like where, what great music are we missing out on because there isn't like these opportunities. The, 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 there is the access but there isn't the opportunity got you understand yeah, got you. and that, and that's that's the bit where it's like I'm not really certain and, and and I always feel like it falls down a bit as an argument like I'm, I'm I I I you know uh, I've I'm probably a little bit biased because I came from I had a music career before 2000. Yeah. I came from the very last of the old world of the record industry. Right. Yeah. And I know what that looked like. Right. And I know how much money people had in their pockets. And when I speak to like younger musicians who are just really grateful that they've got a few hundred quid, I'm like, I'm not sure how grateful you should actually be. Right. I think that yeah. you could be doing a lot better. If this market was more competitive, if your music could access more of the algorithm and get more playlisting and all of the rest of it, you would probably be doing a lot better than you are. But right. You'll never be doing better because that, most people's ears are still gatekept right from you. You, yeah, your mute. Like the way I often describe it to people is like, yeah, your music is in the Argos, Argos warehouse, but it's not in the catalogue at the front. Right, right, got you. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and that's and that's the problem. The the the, the catalogue at the front is owned by the majors. They own it. Right, right. And so, you know, I I just kind of want to. I, I I I for me, it's like yes. There is opportunity. Yes, there is a the chance to, uh, 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 and, and like that shouldn't be undersold. Like it's a fantastic, amazing thing, yeah. and 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 I applaud you and your intent and your work, and that's we should be celebrating that. But if we're talking about the general health of the music creation community, the producers, the songwriters, the People playing in bands, you know, you're one man, right? <laughs> right? If you had five members in your band, how far would that throw well, them? It's a month different go? story then, yeah. Well it's a different story, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like, well wait a minute. We end up in a situation where the only kind of artist we can have is the self producing well, yeah. solo, solo artist. Yeah. What does that do to the music? Right. I mean music, as you know, is a collective experience, yes. right? It's supposed to be made by groups of people. Right and it's all well and good being like a leader artist in your own right and and you know that's a brilliant thing but you know that we don't want to lose bands and ensembles yeah. and all of that and yet the economic state that we have to lose them
0: I mean that's mad yeah. isn't it brilliantly put man yeah i appreciate you sort of like putting me to rights on that issue as well because i've been very a vocal advocate of the new model uh, like i say in my book and in my interviews and things like that and it's very easy when you are like an independent artist because you you as you said you know that kind of the level of self-motivation and hard work that goes into it uh is a 24 7 job and not everybody is able to sort of sustain that uh, for the length of time that you need to and i um where i was going with that was that like when you when you when you do live with that level of self-motivation and self-discipline that you have to have and it is a 24-7 distraction you kind of you lose a point of reference i suppose like my only point of reference is the people who were on the, the rung of the ladder beneath me who were earning absolutely fucking nothing from spotify so the fact that i bring in a few hundred pounds it's like oh fucking hell well gary newman was moaning about only making 30 bucks from whatever hits his hit singles and i just made fucking 10 times that for doing nothing so hey i must be doing something right but um yeah, I, you know, you, when, you, when you exist in that kind of uh, one-man independent island, you become blissfully unaware of the true nature of the broader picture up on the mainland, you know, outside of your little island bubble. So, um, you know, I appreciate you sort of getting me straight on a lot of that because I have been a very sort of a vocal advocate for the new model, but based exclusively on my own experience within James Kennedy land.
1: <laughs> I think that there's two different things here, which is the financial health of one individual within any economic model right and then there's the much broader picture of the way that any technology or or model affects culture right broadly and it's the latter thing that bothers me yeah right i i of course there's people doing well out of streaming you know what i mean Ed Sheeran could probably own half the flipping country with the money he <laughs> makes from streaming. <laughs> people, there are people doing well about oh, streaming, yeah. no? Nope, but that—that that, 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 which is why that's just not the argument. Right? The argument—the argument is neither of these two things. Which is one that the kids who are throwing their music up through DistroKid ought to be making money the next day just because they can play the ukulele. It, that obviously is false. Two people aren't making money from streaming. No, that's false as well. Of course, they're making money yes. from streaming. It's—it's it's, what are we doing? about making sure that the kids who aspire to have a career in music can have a career in music. And when they get there, there's going to be money waiting for them. And then it's going to that's going to keep them financially reasonably secure. And it's not just going to have to be a side hustle alongside Got you. 50, 50 yes. other things that they yeah. do, right? Right. right? And it's because I want people to make great music. I don't want them to make like affordable the music shit, yeah. the shit affordable music, or yeah. music that they had time to make in between their three other jobs. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. it's just, that's not, that's not what we should be doing for ourselves as, yeah. as, 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 as a species. Yes. Right? It's not. It's, and so it's like, all you have to do is tweak the economic model to make sure that the spread of money is, goes a little bit further. Right. And is isn't just focused on this total winner takes all spot, right? It gets shared out down the road, and we make sure that the deals that are in place are fairer so that the money that does get to those labels is getting to those artists and those songwriters.
0: Well, I want to come on to solutions, because I know that you do have solutions for a lot of these issues, Uh, but before we do so, I just wanted to clarify what the role is of the major labels in all of this. I mean, I know that they, you know, (laughs) of course, conveniently stand to to be the the main benefactors of the current system, but is that... um, did they have a role in the structuring of the back end of the streaming model or are they basically you know are, are they the winners of the new model strictly because of their sheer amount of um, the dominance in the market share?
1: Um well it's down to market share but it means that because of their market share they're first in line so their licensing deal gets done first right, right? so so if I'm a streaming service and I look at, like, which is the biggest record company in the world? Oh, it's Universal. How much how much of the market have they got? 35% globally. In the UK, it might be in excess of 40%, right? That's a monopoly, right? So right. they've got that much of the music that's being listened to. Not of all the music that's in the world, obviously, but the music that's being listened to, the music that's being monetized, right? They've got 40% of it. Right. Now, I need, I know... I need their catalog to make money, right? If I haven't got the right to their catalog, I haven't got a streaming service, right? Because they own 40% of all the music that anyone wants to listen to. Got you. Right? So I have to go and get them first. So the terms of that deal are, first of all, going to affect everybody else because no one's going to get a better deal than them, right? But secondly, there can be things in that deal which we can't see because none of us can see these deals, which mean that certain artists of theirs or whoever else might be getting paid in different ways. Money can be finding, finding its ways around in different ways. They can have different minima that mean that their streams are more valuable than streams that are going through an independent distributor that's being distributed by Merlin or whoever. Now, these are, these are, these are just factual things, right? So whatever they take, there's less for everybody else right right now the other two majors will have these things called like most favored nation clauses or whatever in their deals which means that they'll get the same deal that the universal got <laughs> but not everybody can rely on that or, or even get that and in fact a lot of the time when you're putting your music through a independent distributor uh, independent distributor you you don't even know what you're no. you're just at the mercy of whatever gets spat out back at you, right? You've no idea even no. what's no. The mechanics of it are completely gone to you. You're, yeah. there's So so they're negotiating for the value of your streams on a total stream count divided by the total amount of money that's being given to them as as their licensing share. Now, how that works is is anyone's guess but if I was universal I'd definitely be making sure that I'm getting paid better than everybody else wouldn't you yeah and 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 then of course you have the the issue of the songwriting which is that you know streaming has maintained this analog model because in, in, in uh, not all of you listeners may know this but there's two copyrights in music if if not three but there's two copyrights in recorded music um as 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 streaming works presently, which is the songwriting, the authorship of the song, and the recording, yeah. right? And it's whoever made the recording that owns, bizarrely, who owns the authorship of the of the recording. Yes, not not the person who makes the sound on the recording, which is the great failing of law. But anyway, um, so 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 there's the recording and the authorship. Now, on a piece of like vinyl or on a CD the split between the money was like 92% went to the recording and 8% went to the uh, the authorship, right? And that was 8% was pretty good when you were selling like £16 CDs. Yeah. Right Now, we, uh, but basically in the streaming world, because the record companies signed those original licensing deals and controlled how... Streaming was going to pay. They effectively kept the balance between the songwriting right. authorship and the recording as it was from the historically because right. they make more money from recordings than they do from songwriting. Yes. Right? right? They they keep on average about eighty percent of the money from their artists on the recording, but only keep about twenty percent from their publishing. Right? So if if you had a choice of valuing the right way, you keep eighty percent versus the right way, you keep twenty percent. Which one are you going to favor? Yeah. Right? Then right. so they kept that. In streaming, even though streaming doesn't look a lot like a record, right? It doesn't – there's no physical object. Why Why is this the way that is? it is? Also, amazingly, this is where it gets really confusing. And um, because streaming does bear a resemblance to broadcasting, because it does bear a resemblance to radio, it pays a performance right to the songwriter, right? So you get PRS. For your streams right now that's crazy if you think about it because on the recording side you're not getting a performance royalty but on your songwriting side you are getting a performance royalty right so so in publishing you're getting a mechanical authorship right right and then the other half of it mcps and the other half of it is your performance right which is to say it's been performed publicly yeah right but on the recording side There's no public performance. Oh, no, and that's not happened. There is. There's no radio in this. We're not going to pay equitable remuneration, thank you very much. This isn't broadcasting. What are you talking about, right? right? So they've managed to maintain this system where they get the lion's share of the money. The songwriting gets paid very little of the money. We're at about 15%, a bit less, but around there, um, within Spotify. And it's meant that, you know, it's actually crazily more profitable to be somebody with an acoustic guitar covering other people's songs to get them on like a playlist, yes. than it is to be the actual creator of the song, you. yeah, yeah, right, yeah. and we see so, that, yeah. So, so, so it led it led to this massive gaming of spot of of streaming. Uh, if anyone knows about this, this is what's this what most of the material on Spotify is is people sitting at home covering other people's songs.
0: Is that right? is that is that actually true? That's most of, course of the, it.
1: Is really, of course, it is. Cause I mean, what what. What do we, what, What? I mean, like, there's people, <laughs> it's like, uh, if you put in a version name of a song in Spotify, you'll find all the different, like, you won't necessarily get the original artist version of it, mm,
0: right?
1: right? You'll get, like, uh, all the cover versions, Yeah. somebody, uh, an acoustic guitar version of it, a bagpipe version of it, a violin version of it. And that takes, up, that, that takes up
0: a good chunk of the content on, on the service. Well, of course it does, because,
1: because, wow. because... That's that's the easiest way to manufacture loads
0: of music right, is just okay. by recording other people's songs, I'm off right? to go and spend the rest of the week doing cover versions, right? Of Ed Sheeran songs.
1: <laughs> but there, there was, it was an easy way of making a lot of money out of streaming early on, right? right? Because people would be like, oh yeah, I want to listen to acoustic guitar moods Got right it. and and if you'd recorded like a stevie wonder song and a beatles song and a you it could know, become massive yeah a beyonce acoustic guitar like you'd whatever yeah. you yeah. just you did all of that so you could basically and you're getting paid at five times the rate of stevie wonder Got you. for recording on your on your little acoustic guitar so of course you're going to do that. That perfectly
0: right? illustrates the madness of this system that you're describing and the way it's been set up with the re- with the recording versus the publishing splits. Yeah, yeah. That that clearly demonstrates it perfectly. Yeah.
1: People are listening to it because they love the song. They're not listening to it because they love that recording of the song. They lo- they like that melody, right? They like what somebody authored. Now, why is it? That when we're in a song economy, when we've got basically albums, I, I still love albums, but people aren't listening to that in, in that way anymore. People want a song; they fall in love with a track. Yeah, it's playlists; it's all over the place. We're in a song economy, and yet the song is massively undervalued, right? And 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 that undervaluation has directly come from the major rights groups having control over how licensing was done from the day one there go, within right. streaming. Yeah. There's just no question about it, right? Because if you looked at streaming and what it actually is, you'd kind of go, well, it's somewhere between radio and a sale. It isn't a sale, right? Is it? No. <laughs> it's not a sale. You don't own anything. It's getting sold. You don't own anything. And it's a bit like broadcasting, but you, it's like one-to-one. Mm. So it's like digital, direct, right. algorithmic. Radio on yeah. some level, but the rights that we have as musicians from radio don't exist entirely within streaming. We only get them in the writing side, we don't get them in the recording side, right? Because, like, if your song is played on the radio, and I mean, to you as a fully independent artist, it's, it's fairly meaningless because you'll get both halves of the equitable remuneration as the rights holder and as the performer, right? You get both sides yeah. of the PPL, right? If you get played on the radio. Yeah. But to most performing musicians, my deal, right, with EMI from a 1,000 years ago, right, that I'm still in debt on, and I've never been paid for those Gomez. I've never made any money from wow. Gomez wow. on the back end, right? <laughs> Apart from my songwriting. the The... the when those songs are played on the radio, I get paid fifty percent of that money directly. That doesn't go against my debt. That, that's money in my pocket. Right, right. Which is why the record companies don't want to accept that, <laughs> that streaming is anything like broadcasting. Because if they did, half the money would have to go to me. Right. Also also in my record contract, it says any third party license, I get paid fifty percent on and it's go against my debt. Now, if anyone wants to explain to me how streaming is not a third-party license when they have done a licensing deal which includes my music, right? How is that not a third-party license? Which is what I don't know if anyone's following. <clears throat> there's a big, there's a big court case at the moment we, uh, which in- involves Fortet, who's suing Domino. It's in the High Court at the moment, and it's basically about this, right? Which is that 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 he's saying i think i ought to be getting paid 50 percent of the money from my streams based on what my contract says and it's going to be a very interesting um outcome let's say <laughs> let's see how it goes but but that a lot of these artists you know a lot this is this uh, maybe I'm going a little bit into the woods here, and you're you going to
0: have a hell of a time editing I'm, me. I'm 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 leading you into the woods. It's my fault, man. I'm just like, <laughs> there's so much to this. I want to I want to know, about. it's fascinating.
1: Um, yeah, but like it, I mean, it, it's really complicated. There's lots of aspects of it now, that, yeah. that ought to be more beneficial to artists, right. but but because majors have such dominant control of the market, they have defined the market to to their own benefit.
0: Yeah, got it. That
1: is the part they have played, right? Now, that doesn't really affect fully independent artists because you're keeping all the money anyway, right? Um, It might affect you if you use session musicians because if there was an equitable remuneration, a small percentage of the money would have to go to your session musicians. But my point is always if there's money in the system and we can get it to any kind of person who's making music – that's where it should be going. Yes. Because I'm just like, there's a big old ecosystem out there of performing musicians who who are going to need this money. And what happens, you know, does anyone think realistically that we're going to be listening to linear broadcasting, you know, like the radio in like 20 years time? No. Does anyone really think we're going to be doing that? I mean, why would we be doing that? I mean, you might, I mean, I guess it just doesn't strike me well, as being people very can
0: light curate their own radio station now, which is essentially what streaming is, isn't it? Yeah. And, and here's
1: the really bizarre thing in a, uh, like that. There are these algorithmic radio stations, right. That are based on your personal preferences like Pandora. Yeah. Right now, hilariously Pandora play, pays equitable. remuneration. <laughs> right. Uh, right. So how can anyone explain to me what the difference is between Pandora and spotify algorithmic radio that they actually call radio as well can anyone tell me what the difference is because i can't tell the difference and yet one incurs a performance right and one doesn't
0: so am i right and then in assuming that the solution to this is based upon that distinction between the difference between a sale and a radio broadcast
1: Oh no! I mean, there's multiple solutions to this. Okay. One of the one of the solutions, I think, is that some form of re, re, uh, some form of remuneration needs to be paid to musicians for their performance, right, within streaming, and and I think that's just basic human rights. I yes. think the, the the platforms are enjoying the benefit of a performance that they have not paid for, and there should be some money there to to go to the music community. It doesn't have to be a lot but it should be there. And to go to the orchestral players and the saxophonists and the guitar players and the drummers and the singers and everybody else, right? It should just be a pool of money that is helping to sustain the music community, right? I don't know how you share it out, probably by a performance, but, you know, we worry, cross that bridge when we get to it, right? right? That's, that's one. But, but also, I think the pro rata system, which is the system we presently have, where we take all the money and we divide it up by all the streams, i think it's very dangerous for culture i think it's leading to cultural stagnation i think it leads to a, a an even more winner-takes-all system than we had before right and there are lots of opportunities the way how you could amend it so that it's fairer and that more genres do better there's 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 something called user-centric that we probably should talk about which is where instead of instead of all the money going into a big pool of bucket of cash and then being divided by all the streams all that happens is your individual subscription is divided up by what you listen to right well that makes sense yeah Right, exactly. So, And what you see on the user centric is genres do better. So classical gets paid about 20% more, jazz gets paid about 20% more. Wow. It gets rid of fraudulent streaming because that's a big problem. Mm. And
0: it just accounts for about 5% of the market is spin fraud. So, Wow. Well, that that, that to me is so simple, but that just makes perfect sense. Like, how could it be any other way? You know, if all you're listening to is classical music, why the fuck should you be giving Ed Sheeran money, for example?
1: Well, but this is precisely what every, most people don't realize is most of their money is going to music that they don't like or listen to. Right. Yeah, right. of course. Your average person doesn't have an awful lot of time to listen to music. They may be listening to, if they're lucky, 500 tracks a month. Mm. Um, if you do the maths of like 500 times by a third, a third of a penny you'll kind of come out at somewhere around a couple of quid, right? And you're like, wait a minute, so only £2 of my £10 a month is going to the music that I listen to. Right. What's happening to the rest of that money? Yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you, the rest of that money is going to Ed Sheeran and Billy Eilish and Drake, and that's where it's going because it's going to music that's being hyper-listened to, mainly by kids. Uh, or being played on in Ill- 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 illegally by a Spotify account in cafes and hairdressers. Right. And, and that's, and that's what you're subsidizing and there's no reason for it. There's just no reason for it. Cause what actually could happen is your tenor could be split up amongst the 500 tracks that you listen to. Mm. It would lead to a way more dynamic payment system. Because of course, if I only listen to one track in a month, that one track's going to get the whole tenor. Yeah. Fine. But, but so what? So what? But yeah. So so what? It uh, so that's an option, right? That's option 1, which is user centric, which I think is way better for culture and leads to a total flattening of the payment at the top. It takes about it takes about 10% of the, the of of the highest earners and shares it with the sort of couple of percentiles lower down, right? Which is kind of the effect that I'm looking for, which is like a, a bigger group of people at the top of music who are making a decent amount of money right which is what's what we need
0: in order to maintain a professional class right so so that's what that's cool and what what is user-centric is that an idea or is it an actual scheme that exists
1: user-centric is a scheme that actually exists in fact soundcloud have started something called fan-powered royalties which is effectively user-centric right but they're only doing it on music which is they could only do it on music which is directly distributed through soundcloud right um, because they haven't managed to get anybody else to license it yet, because the majors strangely don't want it anyway. <laughs> Surprise! So, 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 and in fact, Deezer in France for years tried to introduce it, um, but I mean, it's, kind of, it's pretty common knowledge now that Sony stopped that from happening, right? Um, because they didn't have enough enough French catalog, and they worried user centric would lead to regional music doing better than the global pop that they own such a lot of. Heaven forbid, right? So, so. <laughs> Right, so that went on. User, so, user-centric apps, everyone knows what user-centric is. In the, who's, it, you know, uh, that's for me. That's the rational way of sorting a lot of this stuff yeah. out. You've got to, you've got to change the balance between the song and the recording. The song should be getting more money. Like, why isn't the song getting twenty five percent? I don't know why it's not getting twenty five percent. Nobody seems to know why it's not getting twenty five percent. It's definitely worth. I mean, this, the platforms are keeping thirty percent, and they're only paying fifteen percent for the song. It's like, well, you're worth twice as much as the song. I'm not sure that's true, Mr. Spotify. Yeah. This is Apple. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> um, so you, you, so we changed the divide towards the song. The other thing, actually, this is kind of an interesting part of pro rata um, or consumption share, as it's sometimes known, which is the system we presently have. It, it comes from radio, Right. Because radio, since the 1950s, the way that radio was licensed was they go to like a PRS or whoever, uh, whoever the authors are, and they go, here's a lump of money that we can afford to pay you to have the license of all the music, right? And then we're going to give you our data and you're going to divide that up amongst your writers, right? right? Based on how often they were listened to and da-da-da, right? Now... That's where Spotify got Pro Rata from. That's where it comes from. That's where um, consumption share comes from. But the really, what's really stupid is how backward we've been about this. Because radio had two really important caveats to the Pro Rata system because they realised that you wouldn't. It's not a play isn't just a play, right? There was two two, reasons, two ways you get paid by the radio are based on the duration of your song. Mm. So in streaming you just get paid if something's played for 30, 30 seconds. seconds yeah right on the radio you get paid twice as much for a 4 minute song as you do for a 2 yeah. minute song right. you get paid three times as much for a 6 minute song as for a 2 minute song yeah. because guess what somebody's been listening for longer right, right? yeah now now user centric does that anyway because it's a ma- it's, it, 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 the limitation is the scarcity of, of the individual user's time but there's no reason why well, we couldn't just add duration to the streaming pro rata system as well That'd and say, awesome. actually, because yeah. no, no, like jazz, right? The, yeah. Average yeah. Track, it, the average track in jazz is over eight minutes, yeah. right? Which means they're being clearly punished for having longer tracks because right. that person gets paid the same amount as somebody who's listening to a 31-second hip-hop skit. That makes no
0: sense. And it's that, that cultural makes- impact that you were talking about earlier as well, like bands saying, hey, we we'll just do all your best shit in the first 30 seconds. The rest doesn't matter, you know? Exactly. Right. Now, the second caveat that radio
1: made in the 1950s, so 70 years ago, they came up with this and went, well, obviously that should have an effect on how people are paid, was audience share. Right. So it was the number of people listening at any given time and the duration would affect how much you were paid. So if you like if you have it's still to this day, if you have a song played at like drive time, on Radio 2, that's worth more money Mm. than if it's played at midnight on Radio 2. Got you. Right? Because they know that there's 3 million people listening at drive time, and there's 300,000 listening at midnight, right? Now, in streaming, there's this totally crazy situation whereby 50,000 people listening twice has the same value as 5,000 people listening uh, 20 times mm. right now, which has more or, or, or even make it like me, make it even worse. 25,000 people listening once or one person listening 25,000 times right. has the same value. Right. Right now, which has greater cultural impact? Would you say 25,000 people listening once or one person listening yeah. 25,000 right. times? Yeah. Right. And because there isn't this cultural valuation and it's just about the just numbers, it, it, it leads to this total skewing of of the relationship, right? You, all you need is to get a song that's on a playlist that's paid 10 million times, and but you've only got 10,000 monthly listeners. I mean, that's like, that doesn't necessarily, you know what I mean? It's got, there's, there's a kind of disconnect yes. in like how we value music and yeah. the impact of music on people, right? So that's that's something that could easily be done to the pro rata system as well. To kind of go, wait a minute, how many actually people care about this artist versus is one kid sitting in their room listening to that Billie Eilish song over and over and over yeah. again until they go mental? Like, and why are we funding that? Why why can somebody hyper listening extract 40, 40 quid's worth of streams yeah. in a month in a month from a ten pound subscription? How? Why is that possible? Yeah. Right. And why is everybody else paying for it? Anyway, so that's my point. I mean, th- that's that's one way that you make culture uh, or, or the value of of audience and the relationship between the fan and the artist far clearer. The other problem, of course, is with the pro prorata system is there's a total disconnect between the artist and their fans, right? And it was a huge problem in streaming. I mean, Spotify have gotten better over the years with the Spotify for artists, et cetera, mm. et cetera. But, but still, you can't actually see who the person is who gave you the money, right? Now, back in the day, when someone bought your record or whatever, you could get them on a mailing yeah. list and you'd have a direct relationship with them and, did, 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 did. and that's how we did it. Whereas now, because of ProRata, because it's just all of this money coming out of pots and being listened to, wherever you there's a total disconnect between like knowing whether how big of a fan they are of your music because you can't tell because you can't see how much time they're spending with you you can just see that it's been played once or here or a dot on a map or whereas if you went to the user-centric model there'd be nothing to stop Because the licensing wouldn't be based on big record companies going, we're we're going to take this much of the money. It would just be, we're going to pay out what we get to you based on that individual's listening. At that point, you're going to be able to see who your biggest fans are, Mm. how much time they spend listening to you, because there's going to be a direct financial relationship between how much they listen to you and, and how much you're getting paid. Right? So you, you, at that point, you, it becomes way easier for you to sell them a gig ticket, right. sell them a, a T-shirt, yeah. give them the, t- you know what I mean? Because you're not We're disconnected. closer the,
0: to that old model again. Right?
1: Yeah, because the data is reconnected. You're right. like, you're, you can see who your fans are Yeah. directly because there's there's, the only reason why you can't is because the pro rata model licensing system has to make all of that opaque. You're not really allowed to see how the money is getting to you because the licensing deals state that you're not allowed to like there are, that would be a breach of the NDA agreements right. that kind yeah, of yeah. cover. So you can't, you don't know where if you actually go through, if you do, yeah, I've seen, or, um, you know, people have shared them with me probably quite illegally, but if you look at like audits of streaming that have come from certain labels, whatever artists are getting paid at like over 30 different rates from different, you know, based on, you know, is it the family pack in Peru or the, mm. or the it's come from a duo account in Germany. Got you, oh, it's, right. somebody, it's somebody listening on freemium in Singapore. It's, and everyone's, there is just, it's chaos, right? Yeah. From an artist's point of view. It's total chaos, right? And, and that for me is the issue. Right, is that what we need to do is is reconnect fans with their with the music that they like, reconnect artists with their their consumers. There's just enormous benefits to all of this if we just get rid of the pro rata model, which right. basically only suits the big. Basically, whoever, if you're a huge aggregator of rights,
0: that's who pro rata right. suits. Right, it doesn't
1: suit anyone else basically. Right.
0: That's fascinating, man. It it comes back to what you said right at the start. Like, this is so much bigger than just fuck Spotify and fuck streaming. (laughs) Way more complicated than that. But it's heartening to hear that the the capacity and the potential is there for this to work. And the solutions to make that possible do already exist, which is fucking awesome. Um, So... Who are we up against then? I mean, I'm guessing that the major labels and the tech companies are not going to want to change, you know, their their current (laughs) monopolistic system. Um, So what's the fight? What have we got to do to get this over the line? And what are we up against?
1: Well, look, we've you know, it's it's been two years work to get to where we're now, which is we're in the middle of a competitions and markets authority study of the music market. So they're looking at, the major labels and the streaming companies to decide whether they're breaching copyright or not breaching copyright and breaching competition uh, law and whether market power is distorting pricing and distorting the way people are getting paid. Um, So the first thing you can do if you are a musician is write to the competitions and markets authority and say, I don't think I've got, you know, access to the market I see this you know this is what it looks like for me you know and to and to say I mean the thing that we asked for I don't you, you may remember or not remember but like two years ago I wrote a letter to Boris Johnson and I got like the Rolling Stones and yeah. Paul McCartney and, and Kate Bush and all these people to sign it right and got the MU and the I on it and um we asked for an adjudicator now basically because what we think is there, there needs to be like an external like power statutory power that can basically say you know that's not on right yeah because that's we're totally unregulated as an industry there's there's there's, there's copyright law but there's just no regulation right, right? it's it's basically the wild west still right. in the music still, industry Yeah. And so, what the main thing I would say is 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 that 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 what we need is an adjudicator because of because of, um, of power dominance in the market and, and the fact that you don't think there's a fair and open playing field in music. And I think that it would be powerful if anyone wants to do that. To do that, right. there's you know at the same time the government have been running a program with the Intellectual Property Office um, to look at contracts and transparency and data and um equitable remuneration and that's all happening at the moment so that's we're in the middle of a government process that's been going on for about six months already Right, okay um so and you know the government don't want to legislate obviously they don't like legislating but you know if anybody wants to write to their mp that is always an incredibly powerful thing to do as well. Right, is to just put pen to paper. Don't type it. Don't email it. Literally, write their name at the top. Tell them what you do. That you're a musician. That you struggle with it. That it's hard to get paid. That it's 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 you know that 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 you want them to be showing support for any kind of reform of the music industry in order to help working musicians in the UK. You know that getting put through their letterbox that has an effect, right? And and you know and I think the big thing for me in Broken Record has been really showing people that you can, you don't need to go outside and wave placards, you don't have to protest, you can just walk into places of power
0: and have conversations with people, right and an effect change. Some, make some noise and normalise the conversation and the issue.
1: Totally, right? And it's cause it's, 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 it's people think that that actually their first option is protest.
0: Well they've just made that illegal now so you can't anymore. Oh no well I know well yeah that's, that's not, it's a separate conversation. That's not going so well
1: for us is it? Um, but the uh, but the truth is is that we do live in a democracy and you can engage a political um representatives. You have an MP. You can go into their office. You can ask to meet with them in a clinic and do all of this stuff that people don't normally do it, right? They just think, oh, it, it, it's just fucked. It's just beyond repair. Mm. We can either shout and scream about it or we can get on with it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> That's right. usually like, and it, and it's just wrong. You can totally get these people's imagination by talking to them and explaining to them what you do. And as one of their constituents, they have a responsibility to right. you. So I always say to people, just just actually engage the political process. Genuinely go and meet these people and say, hello, this is who I live in your community. You know, it's hard doing what I do. Right. I know that there is an existing process. What are you doing to help it move along and help us get reform? Where do you stand on this? Yeah. Yeah. Where do you stand on it? Are you going to help us get reform? You know, or or are you going to back these multinational foreign corporations
0: who are taking all the money? and we've got millions of supporters as well you know the everyday music fans the people that the people want to support their favourite artists and independent artists I get so much love from my fan base but you know I mean there's only so much they can do to help me within the existing framework that exists you know so we you know we we're, we're a large community we've got a lot of support you know and a lot of love from people so I mean we can make a lot of noise in this issue I think
1: 100% you know just stay on them that's basically the trick is just stay on them make make sure that they know about it because right. if, you, if they don't know about it that Basically, a politician is somebody who's just going through life, trying to lead, lead a quiet life, but, 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 you know, the squeakiest wheel gets the oil.
0: I love that phrase. <laughs> so this is fundamentally then a legal issue at this point. You know, we need to get the regulations changed. Oh, yeah. right.
1: It's the regula- reg- regulations, uh, either regulations or legislation. Um, right. because, because these forces are too powerful for us to change them as individual musicians. Right. We're just, we're just dickheads with guitars. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? And that's the way it should be
0: too, right? We should be playing fucking music, you know.
1: Ex- exactly right. We shouldn't have to be doing this. Um, um, but that's, the, you know, that's, that's, that, that, that's what we're up against. And that's why, you know, it had to be about, the only way to solve this had to be about engaging political power, because that's the only thing that they fear. Right. The only thing that these companies fear is regulation.
0: Well then, let's go and get them. You know, I mean, fuck them. I mean, the, the game is the game is afoot. Let's go and do it. One hundred percent, mate. And do you think then, uh, just to wrap up, because I don't want to keep you all day, because <laughs> which I could easily do. Um, if we could get this over the line, would you say that the music industry is generally moving in, in a better direction than the industry as it was when you first came on the scene as a band? You know, in, in, in the old model. Um, I think it. it, it you know, as we move
1: forward through time, uh, the music industry loses the sort of scent of organized crime slowly, but surely. Right. Um, which I think there was still a lot more of that visible when I started. Um, and everyone's had to get a lot more transparent and a lot more honest. And there's less brown bags onto the table, you know? Right. Um, um, and I think that's, a good thing <laughs> um you know and i think like i say the fortunes of of, of left, lesser represented groups uh the black community and women and um has been hugely amplified uh rightly um in the modern era and that's been massively beneficial um but in terms of you know people thinking how they think about musicians and how we value them as a society. I don't know if we've actually moved much Mm. like in terms of actually taking it seriously and thinking about how uh, music plays into our lives and public life and um, as an art form, how, how much people rely on it but just don't think about it. Um I'll take it particularly seriously, um even though most people get up and turn on a tune, yeah, right I mean, that's the bit that i don't that's the bit that really fundamentally needs to be fixed, especially in this country. we have a very um i think screwed up relationship with um uh you know whenever we want to talk about the country, we go, oh yeah, the beatles blah blah blah. But at the same time, don't really want to do anything to right. preserve and protect and,
0: and make sure that we keep being the best in the world at doing this stuff. And we, we totally are, man. For a little island, man. Jesus Christ. We, we, you know, we, we suck at cooking and many, many other things. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> one thing we can do is knock out some fucking great songs, man. You know what I mean? Some iconic bands. Oh, yeah. Look at the list. You know what I mean?
1: I know. It's off the hook. And yet, like it's not the central, central thing that we're funding from the arts, you mm. know? theater and the opera get way more money film gets these massive tax breaks right what, what are we doing for music what's music got fuck all
0: right is the answer oh, it's time to kick up a storm <laughs> Well, Tom, thank you so much for everything you're doing, man, to shine a light on this. It's such an important issue, and I know that you campaign a lot on this as well. You do. You probably you probably answered these questions a thousand times before, so I appreciate you for doing it again, man. You know, for for the listeners today, and breaking it down in terms that people can understand you. Know, because I think it's really important.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. I just hope they did understand me.
0: I know. I know. <laughs> well I did and if I can understand you then you know then I, I'm sure that listeners will, will be just fine because as you said I am just a guitar slinging dickhead so I, mean, I managed to keep up so no, but thank you so much Tom honestly this is such an important issue for the community that I'm a part of you know and I know that so many people everybody loves music so this, this is something that you know is important to everybody so it can be complicated and it can be oversimplified as well into just like oh streaming sucks and all that sort of stuff so and I've been guilty of that myself so thank you so much for laying it all out for us today and for everything you're doing Generally, and uh, yeah, I think hopefully we've inspired people now to get out there and uh, and take action and get involved, and we can make this thing happen. So, so thank you, man, for being the uh, the, the, the first one over the trenches and leading us over the hill. <laughs> Pleasure, mate. Pleasure. Thank you, dude. <laughs> Thanks, man. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks, mate. Cheers, dude. Bye. Wow. Okay, so uh, that challenged me on a few of my uh, preconceptions, and uh, very eloquently, articulately, and, uh, and diplomatically done as well. I really enjoyed that, man. Um, what a super nice guy as well. I say that about all the guests, don't I? We need to have someone on that's a real prick, <laughs> so at the end I can say, man, what a dick that guy was, you know? But, uh, nah, Tom, awesome guy, man. I mean, that guy's, you know, he's fucking been around, man. He's been on a kind of, uh, you know, a massive successful alternative band that's like toured the World signed to a major label you know he's released tons of albums you know he's done it he's seen the other side and, and as you mentioned earlier you know he, his band Gomez came on the scene you know in, in the sort of early 90s you know when the old model was the only one that existed you know so um, you know Tom's kind of seen both sides of this and clearly knows what the fuck he's talking about and there was some great solutions there as well, such so as the user centric idea, which I love the sound of that. And the uh, I think he mentioned I was trying to scribble some notes as he went. I think he mentioned competitions and markets authority. I'll go back and, and check all that out. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, pff, you, you listened to as much as I did. Um, get involved, man. Let's do this. I think the case is pretty clear. And if there is a way to make this brave new tech, technological world that we all live in fairer for us humble musicians that provide you guys with all the fucking good medicine that you need to get you through your lives, then, uh, you know, we should definitely do it. Because us artists work our goddamn asses off to provide all this free content, such as this podcast, you know, and (laughs) albums and music videos and, you know, all this social media stuff that we have to do. And the costs of fucking touring, dude. You know, most bands, you know, like certainly now you're seeing bands are pulling tours left, right and center. Um, They're making up all these excuses like, you know, our um, keyboard player's ninth cousin has got COVID or something. It's because they can't afford to do it, man. It's It's as simple as that. Touring costs thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands before you've even left the fucking house. It's insane how much it costs to tour. And if people aren't going to gigs, you know, and, and, and bands aren't selling records and venues are closing down, then musicians, they literally, they can't function. They starve, you know. It's, it's not like it is in the music videos where you know we're all just fucking millionaires hanging around all day smoking weed and playing our guitars. It's just not, that's just never been reality. And it's, it's harder now than it's ever been. And as Tom laid out there about streaming, I mean, now that we're moving away from physical product altogether and moving into a future which is very much all about, you know, everything being in the cloud and streaming, you know, on demand at all times for a subscription or for free, then you're going to reach a point where the only artists that are able to survive are going to be ones that have got rich fucking parents. And who wants to listen to that shit? So if there's a chance to fix this and make it fairer so that people like myself and others, you know, can actually survive and continue to do what they love and to give you guys the music that you want to hear and keep pushing the envelope so that we don't get cornered into some kind of cultural dilution of music that sucks written by people that shouldn't be fucking making it. (laughs) The only people able to stay afloat, you know, with rich daddies or whatever, Uh, or major label artists that make safe, you know, commercial mass-produced music. I mean, who wants to live in? In that world. So I think we've got a choice. We're at a crossroads. And we can either get involved and fix this and actually really exercise some mass pressure to e- exert pressure on the authorities and the regulators to get these stupid laws changed. Or we don't. And we reap the consequences of that, which are going to suck. So I thought that was super insightful, very articulately and diplomatically laid out. I really enjoyed the conversation and I'm glad that he's corrected me on a few of my uh, misguided assertions that I've been throwing around the place quite uh, perhaps overconfidently in the past. <laughs> so, you know, I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong, man. You know, it's all good. It's all about growth and you know, development and getting closer towards the truth. So um, Tom shone a lot of lights and stuff there. That was a great chat. I hope you enjoyed it. Go and check out the Broken Record campaign online. Tom's got a ton of other interviews and uh, info online about this uh, campaign, the Broken Record campaign. And you can check out Tom Gray on Twitter at Mr. Tom Gray. That's G-R-A-Y. Follow him for the updates and everything he's doing. You can put a bit of weight then behind his actions and, um, you know, I'll be sharing them as well. And I'll see you out there in the trenches. Until next time, subscribe to the podcast. I'm going to tell you one more time, subscribe, nag your friends to subscribe, share these things, man, put it on your page. If you thought that was interesting, put it on your Facebook page, you know, tweet about it, tell your musician friends, tell your, your music nut fan friends about this because you know, this is, this is a community issue. This is on us, you know, like our grandmas aren't going to help us with this. You know, we need, we need the music community to, to come together on this and make this happen. So share the podcast. Let people know about this information. Subscribe. Give me that rating. Give me a review. And if you want to send me some shekels to paypal.com slash paypal.me slash James Kennedy UK, I'll continue to keep doing these things for you. Like I said, I don't get paid to do this. It does take a lot of my time and and I'm trying to fight the good fight here by sharing great information from great minds. Um, So if you're enjoying them and you think that it's it's important and useful, then uh, throw me some beans and I can justify (laughs) spending half my week doing it. Um, Until next time, got another banger lined up for you next week, man. Honestly, um, you know, they just keep coming. I mean, I'm so fucking excited to share the next one with you as well. Uh, So until next time, stay good, look after yourself, be good to each other and have a great week and I'll see you next week. Cheers guys, love you.